Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Driverless cars may evoke images from sci-fi films to Saturday morning cartoons, but the prospect is hardly remote today. There are cars that already operate with minimal human assistance after all. Several companies like Tesla, Google's parent company Alphabet, and Amazon have been piloting these vehicles in cities across North America for many years now. Now, proponents say driverless vehicles could reduce the stress of commuting, lower the number of accidents, and make traveling more sustainable. But critics have also raised concerns about safety risks to uh, to cost their potential to hurt the environment by making car travel actually easier. So what views do British Columbians have of self-driving cars? A new UBC study asked that question. Joining me now to discuss the issue uh, is uh, Mr. Gurdiljot Gill, civil engineering and PhD candidate at UBC and author of the study. Mr. Gill, thank you for joining us. Yeah, I just thank you for having me. Yeah. So what are the people's views of EVs? What did the study tell you? Well, uh, so uh, we wanted to find out that there's lots of research about potential owners of these vehicles, but not much about other road users who need to interact with these vehicles if they want to share the road. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to find out how these other people feel. As it turns out, 41% of the BC population, mm-hmm. they are very skeptical about uh, self-driving vehicles. And I should mention that this is not what they reported, we observed this because people could report higher because they want to be perceived as pro STVs. Mm-hmm. So this is observed number. So 41% of the people are skeptical about this. But on the other hand, 34% of the BC population, they are actually optimist about this. And to clarify what I mean by skeptic, mm-hmm. it means that these people believe Interacting with a self-driving vehicle is actually less safe than a similar interaction with a human-driven vehicle. So that's that's exactly what we wanted to measure. Uh, how many participants participants uh, were were part of this study? Oh, eleven hundred and thirty-three participants mm-hmm. from BC. So, what did, what's your takeaway overall from from this interaction with these eleven hundred participants? Uh, uh, do you think at, the, at its core the, the 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 anxiety is still there in regards to safe, safety, though? Oh yes, oh, it's a very interesting point you mentioned anxiety. So remember, I talked about skeptics and mm-hmm. optimists. So we are measuring this bias people have. It could be either against these vehicles or it could be in favor of these vehicles. So what we found is that the biggest driver of this bias is actually people's emotional reaction to these to this new technology. Mm-hmm. So people who are anxious when they think about developments in self-driving technology, those people are more likely to be skeptical. And people who are enthusiastic about these developments, they are more likely to be optimists. So this is the key driver. So people are not thinking about the benefits. It does not take a lot of rational thought, but mm-hmm. it's just the emotional 
feeling that gut reaction they have to these vehicles that is driving a lot of their perceptions and their support for policies. I'm curious, was there a difference in age groups in regards to people's views and perceptions uh, of self-driving cars? Yeah, so uh, as you might expect, the people who are older, they have a negative perception of these vehicles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious, if I'm uh, uh, an MP or an MLA and were to look at your study, what, what should I take from that? Because part of technology, as you know very well, is is there is that trepidation. I think your 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 study kind of uh, sh- you know shows that uh, mm-hmm. f- when it comes to public policy, you know how we build laws around you know self driving vehicles. Uh, in, in, you know you have to include safety and all those types of things. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, in regards to that, uh, what should elected officials who want to draw up pol- public policy on self driving cars in our streets what did, what should they take from what what, what the study says today? Yeah, uh, again, interesting question, because this actually motivated the whole research, because we were not looking this other side of the story, all Mm -hmm. these other road users, are they going to be accepting these new vehicles? So we asked six policy questions in our online survey, Mm -hmm. and those questions were very relevant to the context of uh, sharing the road with these vehicles. They were about pedestrians and cyclists. So what we found is that uh, 55% of the population says they would consider allowing these self-driving vehicles if they are shared vehicles. They could be taxis or shuttles. Mm -hmm. But uh, the population has a clear consensus in terms of uh, having specific restrictions on these AVs. So 90% of the people want these vehicles to be identified clearly. They want to know that they are interacting with a self-driving vehicle. Mm-hmm. 89% of the people want to have a person in the driver's seat. No matter the technology could be advanced enough mm-hmm. uh, based on the manufacturers that this vehicle is safe, but 90% of the people want a driver to take control in emergency situations or just to give sense of uh, comfort because they are so used to seeing a driver behind the windshield mm-hmm. and to communicate it. And interestingly, 72% of the people do not want these vehicles to go near pedestrian priority zones. So based on all this, we are confident to say that, first thing, if uh, public agencies want to introduce AVs, they should start with a pilot testing program. Mm-hmm. During that program, they should have these restrictions that I just talked about. There should be a driver. It should be clearly identified. They should not be allowed near pedestrian zones. And once people start getting comfortable and the experience is largely positive, only then uh, the introduction should be expended elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may recall, I think it was last summer, uh, there was somebody on the Lionsgate Bridge uh, applying makeup as the vehicle was driving, and I think they had a Tesla and it was in a self-driving mode. Uh, there was uh-huh. no injuries or anything, but they were applying makeup as they were driving. Now, the traffic was during rush. I was slow, um, yeah. but somebody caught this on, on their cell phone, and, of course, it ended up on the news. Um, yeah. So uh, you can already see some you know trepidation that people have. Now, the last couple of weeks, I've been in Taiwan. 
And I was doing a mm-hmm. sort of a tour of the country with some lawmakers in the U.S. and looking at some of the technologies, particularly semiconductors. But as you know very well, they do, they're do they leading the way in regards to research when it comes to EVs and the Internet. And they talked yeah. about how traffic signals should be talking to vehicles, uh, to roadways, yeah. and, they're, and they, they actually were giving, giving us some of us a, a demonstration. But when I, mm-hmm. when I asked them about some of this, now they're at the point now, they're talking about putting extra screens into cars because they think eventually you won't even need a steering wheel in your vehicle, yeah. right? So, yeah. I mean, I was thinking about what you're saying and people's perceptions of your study. And then when you talk to folks that are actually designing the future of EVs, and they're actually having already having a conversation about not having steering wheels in these vehicles uh, 10, yeah. 20 years from now, or even less than that. I mean, this is going to come very quickly. It does give you a, a sense of the, you know, the wide difference between where the technology actually is and where it may be headed very quickly to what you're saying and what you've raised is there's a certainly amount of skepticism and caution when it comes to public safety. Yeah, that, that's the key word. The policy recommendations that we have, it's a cautious tiered approach that you should start with pilot testing mm-hmm. and gradually uh, let, uh, let the introduction expand to other areas. But, and this is a big but, that people should largely be comfortable. Imagine that uh, you walk frequently, but now there's this new vehicle on the road and you, are, you just do not know how you feel about this and it raises anxiety in you. You, th- you have not seen a crash, but you, because you are feeling anxious about this, you might stop walking as frequently. You might not take the same facility. So all this progress we have made in promoting these active modes. And now if we introduce these vehicles without being responsible, then there's a chance that we could uh, degrade the experience of these active mode users. And we, we do not want that. Yeah. And also another thing on the development, uh, I went to a, a TRB conference. It's the biggest transportation conference in the whole world. I went there mm-hmm. in, Was- in Washington, D.C., 2015, I guess. And everybody was talking about these vehicles and it is, they are going to be here tomorrow. They are going to be here. But as we have noticed that technology is one side and they are making progress, there are some uh, flaws still to resolve, but they're making progress. But the big uh, portion of gaining acceptance is how people feel about these vehicles. Are they going to allow these vehicles to operate on the road or not? Mm-hmm. So that's that's what we are looking not the technology side but how how are the road users going to perceive these vehicles. No, I think you raise a very good point. It comes down to still public perception, safety, and of course, how government responds to it through rules and regulations, that's for sure. Mr. Gill, thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed the conversation. Well, thank you so much for having me. All right, that that is Gurdiljot Gill. He's civil engineering PhD candidate at UBC and author of the study that uh, came out of UBC. Uh, There are still cautious, uh, the people are cautious in regards to, you know, EVs and driverless cars. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.